Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show. Uh, this is episode number 92, and I'm coming at you live from Los Angeles, California, on Wednesday, June 6, 2018, at 10.10 10 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, that's one tw- that's 1.10 a.m. Eastern. So today I'm going to be covering the breaking news in sports. I'm also going to be co- uh, giving my take on each topic. Uh, I'm also going to be covering the results of the Los Angeles sports teams and 2018 French Open. So... Mohamed Salah could be the, the alternative to Antoine Griezmann in the summer window if Barcelona failed to land a French attacker. AS um, re- report that the Egyptian player has been offered to Barcelona by his representatives and they are ready to open negotiations. There have been meetings between the two parties with the objective being to evaluate his future and the possibility of a move to Camp Nou. Barcelona, who are also speaking with Antoine Griezmann's people, are keen to reinforce the attacking position in any way they can, despite the arrival of Osumane Dembele last summer when Neymar left for PSG. Salah could be the best possible alternative to Griezmann. The Egyptian was named the best player in the Premier League last season and was the top scorer with 32 goals. He was impressive in the Champions League too, guiding Liverpool to the final before they fell to Real Madrid, where he was injured in the first half. In addition, he has helped Egypt to the World Cup as their shining light. So that's that, and um, I think it would be a good. I think it would be a good move mutually if this happens. Now uh, switching gears to the NBA. While there has been plenty of speculation about Kawhi Leonard's future, the San Antonio Spurs aren't ready to trade their superstar, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN via Jeff Garcia of Fox San Antonio. Quote: A lot of teams are interested in a trade, but talks are quote not being entertained yet by the Spurs. Leonard is under contract for next season with a player option for 2019-20. The 26-year-old played only nine games last season due to a quadriceps injury, and there was never a clear timetable for his return. Ramona Shelburne and Michael C. Wright of ESPN.com reported there's, quote, tension between a player and team with a, quote, looming showdown, as the Spurs believe Leonard and his group have, quote, an ulterior motive to fray the relationship and get Leonard traded to a larger market. Rumors have since run wild on a potential trade, although Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer noted the organization, quote, won't settle for anything less than a Grand Slam offer. Meanwhile, there is no certainty the Spurs will make a deal at all. Tom Osborne of the San Antonio Express News reported the front office hopes to mend fences and offer Leonard a Supermax deal worth $219 million over five years. Considering the forward finished in the top three of MVP voting in each of his uh, last two healthy seasons, there's plenty of motivation to keep him on the roster. Even if the relationship has been strained, it's clear that the Spurs aren't ready to, are not ready to give up on him yet. And I think that, you know, rightfully so, they shouldn't be giving up on him. And I think, you know, they should do what they can to keep the relationship good. Now switching gears to college basketball. After reportedly being a candidate for the Detroit Pistons' vacant head coaching job, John Balian will return to the University of Michigan next season. Balian announced his decision to remain with the Wolverines on Twitter, tweeting, quote, I love the University of Michigan and I am excited about coaching our men's basketball team next season and in the years to come. Let's go hang some more banners at the greatest university in the world. Hashtag go blue. Per the Athletics, uh, Brendan Quinn, Bailey, and, and Michigan are nearing a contract extension that will be worth close to $4 million per year over five years. Per ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Bailey was one of the three uh, coaching candidates that Pistons ownership was scheduled to meet with for a second time. Former Toronto Raptors head coach Dwayne Casey and San Antonio Spurs assistant Ime Udoka are the others. The Pistons have been searching for a new head coach after parting ways with Stan Van Gundy in early May. They have missed the playoffs in eight of the past nine seasons and haven't won a postseason series since reaching the Eastern Conference Finals in 2008. 
Balian has been at Michigan since April of 2007 when he took over for Tommy Amaker. The 65-year-old has a 248 and 143 record in 11 seasons with the Wolverines. He's led Michigan to eight NCAA tournament appearances and two trips to the national championship game in 2013 and 2018. So I see uh, no reason for him to move on from, the, uh, from Michigan when it, things are going so well. And I think if I'm the Pistons, I'm pretty upset about this. Um, now switching gears to the NFL. San Francisco 49ers linebacker Ruben Foster has been, has been sentenced to probation and community service as part of his sentencing for a misdemeanor weapons charge. Per the Athletics, David Lombardi, Foster received two years of probation, 232 hours of community service, and $235 in fines after pleading no contest. ESPN's Adam Schefter report, reported the NFL is still determining whether or not Foster will receive a multi-game suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Foster was arrested in California in February and charged with suspicion of domestic violence, making criminal threats, and possession of an assault weapon. Last month, a California judge ruled there was insufficient evidence to continue with domestic violence charges against Foster, and his possession of an assault weapon charge was reduced to a misdemeanor. Foster returned to the 49ers the day after the judge's ruling. After being drafted 31st overall by San Francisco in 2017, Foster recorded 72 total tackles in 10 games as a rookie. So I'm glad that things are working out for him. Now switching gears back to the NBA. Um, You know, with uh, Glenn Davis, former NBA player Glenn Big Baby Davis has been charged with felony assault with force likely to cause great bodily injury after his arrest in April, according to TMZ Sports. If convicted, he could face up to seven years in prison. As TMZ initially reported, uh, Davis allegedly threw a man to the ground following an altercation in a parking lot, causing, quote, fractures in his face and ribs, as well as a broken tooth. This was the second major arrest for Davis in 2018, as he was also indicted on seven counts of drug possession and distribution in February. Police found 126 grams of marijuana and $92,164 in a hotel room in Aberdeen, Maryland. Uh, Davis spent eight years in the NBA, most notably playing four years with the Boston Celtics. He was a member of the 2008 squad that won the NBA championship. The forward last played in the NBA in 2015. As a member of the Los Angeles Clippers, he was signed to play for the Big Three League this summer, so that looks like that's not going to happen. Now switching gears, uh, or I should say staying uh, in the world of the NBA. Um, the New York Knicks and Trey Young would like to join forces, assuming the Oklahoma star is available when they pick at number 9 in the 2018 NBA draft. Uh, per BR, Jonathan Wasserman Young and the Knicks expressed their mutual interest after his workout and meeting with the team, but they don't expect he will be available when they go on the clock. In response to a fan asking if Young would be there for the Knicks at number 9, Wasserman said he, quote, won't be there. Wasserman has Young going at number 6 to the Orlando Magic in his most recent mock draft. New York is in a difficult position this draft because the status of star forward Kristaps Porzingis' rehab from a torn ACL is unclear at this point. General Manager Scott Perry told reporters last month the team would have a better understanding of Porzingis' return timetable six or seven months after his surgery, which took place in February. The Knicks have two young point guards they can develop if Young isn't available to them in Frank, Nil- in Frank Nilakina, who was drafted 8th overall last year, and Emmanuel Moutier. Young led all Division One players with 27.4 points and 8.7 assists per game during the 2017-18 season. He was named a consensus first-team All-American with- and Big 12 Freshman of the Year. Uh, so that's that. And um, I, th- I don't think the Knicks should draft him if he's, um, if he's available. I just... And they have too many guards, in my opinion, and they drafted Frank Lukina with the eight o- number eight overall pick last year. So why would they get Trey Young this year? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so now switching gears to soccer, back to soccer, interna- international soccer. 
Um, Ernie Stewart has been named the first general manager of the United of the United States men's national soccer team after being approved by a committee featuring former international players and current directors. Uh, U.S. Soccer announced on Wednesday. Stewart was capped 101 times for the United States and was chosen by a group featuring a former Fulham defender, Carlos Bocanegra, uh, Bocanegra, I should say. Stewart had been serving as sporting director of MLS side Philadelphia Union before leaving to take a position created earlier this year. The 49-year-old will assume his new role on August 1st. He's setting a lofty goal for the national team, saying, quote, having played for the U.S. men's national team, I'm honored by the opportunity to return to help lead this rebuilding phase. We have a tremendous amount of young talent and passion in the u.s and i'm ready to jump in hire a new head coach and build a culture of success with the ultimate goal of the um u.s men's national team becoming a world champion u.s soccer president carlos uh, cordero cited stewart's experience within the game as a decisive factor in the decision to hire him uh, quote with his breadth of experience as both a player and a technical director ernie is the ideal leader to guide the long-term success of our of our men's national team program combined with the structural changes at the federation that we announced in april this is a further step in our commitment to ensure that soccer operations are run by soccer experts Stewart's first task will uh, be to appoint a new head coach for a squad uh, not strong enough to qualify for the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia this summer. U.S. Soccer's official website also listed, quote, ensuring that U.S. soccer style of play, team tactical pr uh, principles, and key qualities are being Im implemented within the men's national team, and, quote, creating a player profile for each position on the field based on the style of play, team tactical principles, and key qualities in the job description. In addition, Stewart will be tasked with identifying, promoting, and de developing key talent at the youth levels of the the U.S. game. It's something that something his time in Netherlands will have prepared him for uh, for, for well. He worked in similar roles at AZ Alkmaar, VVV Venlo, and NAC Breda in in the um, Eredivisie. The the Dutch top flight has long prided itself in building th uh, through youth and refining promising domestic players. Whoever Stewart chooses as the next head coach of the national team will need to do the same. In particular, it will be vital to build around the uh, precocious quality of Borussia Dortmund forward Christian Pulisic. Stewart has deep roots in the MLS and represented his country in three World Cups, so he has vested interest in making sure gifted young homegrown players are produced. Grant Wall of Sports Illustrated hinted Stewart may bring a more relaxed way of working to what is sure to be a difficult job. Um, so that's that, and I like the move for the U.S. I hope it's. I really hope it's going to turn out uh, good. Now switching gears to the NFL, back to the NFL. Um, having to do with Kareem Hunt. Kansas City Chiefs running back Kareem Hunt allegedly punched a man in the face at an Ohio resort on Sunday on Sunday morning after a verbal altercation. According to TMZ Sports, an official at the resort located, located in Putin Bay, Ohio, confirmed that Hunt was involved in an incident but did not offer specifics. The alleged victim reportedly did not seek medical attention and he told TMZ that he, did, that he does not plan on pressing charges. In February, a 19-year-old woman told police that Hunt pushed her at a hotel in Cleveland. However, Hunt's friend said that the accuser called Hunt the N-word and punched one of his female friends. The 22-year-old Hunt is set to enter his second NFL season after bursting onto the scene as a rookie in 2017. During his debut season, Hunt rushed for an NFL leading 1,327 yards to go along with eight rushing touchdowns. He also caught 53 passes for 455 yards and three touchdowns. The third-round pick out of Toledo was named to the Pro Bowl and finished second in Offensive Rookie of the Year voting behind New Orleans Saints running back Alvin Kamara. Um, so this is uh, very, just very unfortunate and um, controversial. So now switching gears to something that's also controversial in the NFL. Philadelphia Eagles safety Malcolm Jenkins used his time with the media Wednesday to relay messages on signs instead of talking via Shale uh, Capadilla of The Athletic. 
One sign held by Jenkins read, quote, you aren't listening, while others listed statistics that support criminal justice reform, which he later displayed on Twitter. Jenkins also named fellow NFL players Anquan Bolden, Doug Baldwin, Chris Long, Michael Bennett, and others as, quote, true patriots. Colin Kaepernick gave $1 million to charity, read another sign. Jenkins was a captain on the Eagles squad that won the Super Bowl last season, but President Donald Trump canceled the team's trip to the White House on Tuesday, saying that only a few players were going to attend. Um... Although Jenkins didn't take a knee during the national anthems like some others around the league, he did raise his fist as a form of protest against racial injustice. He and Bolden also visited Congress last year to discuss community police relations. So uh, that's that. Not going to give my take on this. Now another NFL story having to do with the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens were reportedly docked their final two OTAs this week because of an undisclosed infraction of league rules. According to former Baltimore Sun reporter Jeff Zrape, Zrebiak. Head coach John Harba and owner Steve uh, Biscotti are facing potential fines as well. And NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported that Harba will be fined $50,000, while Biscotti will be fined $100,000. The Ravens have been similarly penalized before as they lost three OTAs uh, days in 2016, and Harba was fined $500,000. The discipline came after the NFL deemed that the Ravens have violated the collective bargaining agreement by having rookies in full pads during rookie minicamp. The Ravens were originally scheduled to have OTAs on Thursday and Friday. Team activities will resume next week when the Ravens hold their mandatory minicamp from June 12th through June 14th. So uh, that's that. And um, now I just want to say that uh, Game 3 of the NBA Finals already happened. But I'm just going to cover this before. The National Basketball Referees Association announced officials will engage in a Twitter discussion about calls made Wednesday night during Game 3 of the 2018 NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers at Quicken Loans Arena. Brian Winhorst of ESPN.com reported a, quote, team of referees will answer questions from fans, but they will not be identified by the NBRA. The hands-on approach to discussing officiating decisions will happen without the league officials, without the league office's involvement per Winhorst. Meanwhile, the league office has provided video reviews on its NBA official account on Twitter throughout the 2018 playoffs and released the last two-minute report after each game. Uh, the latter has been a point of contention between the sides since the reports debuted in March of 2015. In March, the NBRA commented on the officials' issues with the system. Quote, Our issues are not with the media, but with the L2M, the union wrote. It is a flawed process where analysts, without officiating experience, are using different protocols to evaluate plays than the referees are taught. It breeds inconsistency and frustration for fans, teams, and referees. The league office replied with its own statement about those remarks. Quote, This is not accurate. All calls in L2Ms are evaluated by reviewers, trained to rate plays the way officials are instructed to call them. Their decisions are approved by ref ops senior staff, former officials, and senior uh, b-ball ops personnel, all with many years of NBA experience, the NBA said. Mark Davis, John Goble, and Zach Zarba are the referees for Game 3, with the, Ca- with the Warriors holding a 2-0 series lead over the Cavaliers. So I like this, and I, I think it's pretty cool. Now, um... Switching gears back to the NFL, a lot of stories today uh, having to do with the New York football giants. Uh, whenever the New York Giants decide to move on from Eli Manning as their starting quarterback, Davis Webb is ready to take is ready to take over the mantle for the franchise. Per Sports Illustrated, Ben Baskin Webb is wa- wa- willing to wait for his opportunity to lead the Giants when Manning steps down. Quote, I know I'm going to get a shot here. Webb said, if it's tomorrow, if it's in 10 years, I know I'm going to get a chance. And when that comes, throw it deep, throw it deep. Scared money, don't make money. 
Giants head coach Pat Shermer told reporters in February he believes Manning has, quote, years left as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Manning, who turned 37 years old in January, is coming off one of his most difficult years in the NFL. His 19 touchdown passes were the second fewest of his career over a full season, surpassing only to his 2013 campaign, in which he tallied 18 touchdowns and led the league with 27 interceptions. Former Giants coach Ben McAdoo benched the four-time Pro Bowler in favor of Geno Smith for one game in Week 13 against the Oakland Raiders, ending the longest consecutive start streak by an active, by an active quarterback at 210. The Giants selected Webb in the third round of last year. The 23-year-old didn't appear in a game as a rookie, but, ex- but is expected to serve as Manning's backup in 2018. So uh, I like his confidence. Now switching gears back to the NBA, uh, having to do with Kevin Garnett. Uh, Ashley um, Danielle Phelps, the younger sister of former NBA All-Star Kevin Garnett, was arrested in South Carolina on Tuesday. Per TMZ Sports, Phelps attempted to rob two different uh, check-in to cash stores and and an Advance America by telling employees she had a bomb. Phelps is being held in Greenville County Detention Center and was charged with two counts of armed robbery, two counts of making a bomb threat, and one count of attempted armed robbery. Phelps' alleged attempt to rob the stores began Monday at a check-in to cash in Greenville, South Carolina. An employee was able to press the panic button after Phelps said she had a bomb. The 37-year-old Phelps reportedly then attempted to rob two different stores on Tuesday, making a second bomb threat at Advance America before police finally caught her. According to TMZ, Garnett and and Phelps no longer speak after the two had a falling out, so... Not going to give um, my take on this. Now, uh, another NBA story, the one that's not controversial, it has to do with the draft. DeAndre Ayton has no doubts. Uh, he's going to be drafted by the Phoenix Suns. Quote, I know I'm going number one. Ayton told reporters Wednesday following his workout with the Suns, who, held, who hold the top overall selection in the June 21st draft. Ayton, who's a heavy favorite to be the number one pick, will not conduct will not conduct any more workouts. He said he did not receive a promise from anyone in the Suns organization. Quote, nobody told me I'll go first, Aiton said. That's just me. I think I deserve that. I've worked so hard. I won't say I'm the best player. I won't say that. I, I will be, I will, excuse me, I will say on the competitive level, I'm the best competitor. The seven foot one big man averaged 20.1 points, 11.6 rebounds, and 1.9 blocks per game during his lone season at Arizona. He's drawn comparisons to Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan, uh, though his defense has a long way to go before warranting that status. Like many young players, Aiden has a habit of missing rotations and lacking energy on defense. Slovenian guard Luka Doncic is the main threat to Aiden at number one, but his, con- his contractual status um, muddies things. Doncic is under contract with Spanish club Real Madrid, which means he will have to negotiate a buyout. It's not seen as a guarantee that he'll be in the NBA. NBA for 2018-19, though it's expected. Aiden, though, is clearly clearly the top option at number one. He's a seven-footer whose range stretches to the three-point arc. He put up massive numbers in college, and he's a potential two-way menace who fits, who fits perfectly in the modern NBA. Quote, it's great, it's great. We take that obviously as a compliment. Sons general manager Ryan McDonough said of Aiden's comments. He has a lot of strong uh, ties to this area. He's been working out here. He's been training here. The fact that he wants to be here, that's great. With two weeks until draft day, Aiden is polished to go number one. Excuse me, is poised to go number one. It may uh, be the worst kept secret in the NBA until uh, Adam Silver steps to the podium. So personally, I think the Suns should take Aiden at number one, and I think he will go number one. Now, uh, another NBA story that's uh, pretty controversial. Uh, have having to do with uh, the Sixers. The Philadelphia 76ers have launched an, an, an investigation into President of Basketball Operations Brian Colangelo last week following a bombshell report by the Ringers' Ben Detrick, and, uh, and they may be close to figuring out all of the facts. 
According to NBC Sports Philadelphia's John Clark, the team believes Colangelo had no knowledge of the multiple burner accounts allegedly connected to him. In Detrick's report, the Philadelphia executive owned up to controlling one of the burner accounts. Colangelo is on the record via Yahoo Sports' Jordan Schultz, saying he was not behind the burners. Quote, someone's out to get me. This is clearly not me. A 76ers fan account uh, uncovered a possible connection between the accounts and Colangelo as the recovery phone number has the same final two digits um, as Barbara Bettini's number. Per Wojnarowski, the Sixers are attempting to figure out if Bettini, Colangelo's wife, is indeed the owner of the Burners and if Colangelo had any knowledge. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported Sixers brass met Tuesday, uh, went Tuesday night to discuss the findings of the investigation and determine if Colangelo would be a part of the organization's future. Colangelo's job has come into question as a result of the Burners posting sensitive information. There were posts leaking, uh, in some cases, medical info about what about current and former Philadelphia players like Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, Jolie Lokofor, and Nerlens Noel. The Burners defended Colangelo while, while attacking former Sixers president Sam Hinkie and Toronto Raptors president Masai Ujiri. Colangelo was a member of Toronto's front office prior to Philadelphia. Philly.com's Keth Pompey reported Colangelo, despite currently being under investigation, was in attendance for Philadelphia's pre-draft workout on Wednesday with former Duke star Grayson Allen among those participating. Wojnarowski noted a decision on Colangelo's future could come as early as Wednesday. So I hope that he's going to stay in Philadelphia. I hope it's going to work out for him. Now, uh, covering the results of Game 3 of the NBA Finals. I had Cleveland winning this game, and what happened was... Kevin Durant willed the Golden State Warriors to a 110-102 Game 3 victory over the Golden State Warriors. Um, excuse me, over the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know why I said Warriors. At Quicken Loans Arena on Wednesday night to push the defending champions within one win of a repeat. Durant, who played hero in Game 3 a year ago, made his bid for a second straight Finals MVP with a playoff career-high 43 points, uh, 15 of 23 shooting, including a pull-up dagger from virtually the same spot on the left wing that he sank the Cavs from a year ago. Those efforts were especially welcome since Stephen Curry was in a funk all evening and logged 11 points on 3 of 16 shooting, including 1 of 10 from 3. Uh, LeBron James had 30, 33 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists, and he registered his 10th career finals triple-double. And although he re uh, received steady support from Kevin Love at, 10, at 20 points and 13 rebounds, and, excuse me, and Rodney Hood with 15 points, Durant was on, was on another level and he sent the Cavs spiraling toward the inevitable. The Cavs entered Game 3 with 8 straight postseason wins to their name at Quicken Loans Arena, and they received all of their, the contributions necessary to make it 9. LeBron, although a bit inefficient by his high standards, triple-doubled. Kevin Love was a man possessed in the first half and allowed Cleveland to establish a 15-6 edge on the offensive glass. glass excuse me. J.R. Smith scored a series-high 13 points after posting 15 in Games 1 and 2 combined, and most importantly, Rodney Hood, who had, who had played a total of 7 minutes over the Cavs' past 7 playoff games, made the most of a long-awaited opportunity and dropped 15 points at, with 7 of, of 11 shooting in 26 minutes off the bench. Uh, you know, he should have been, uh, Rod, Rodney Hood should have been in, this, in way more playoff games and in this one and in the series more. But even Curry struggling and Clay Thompson limited to 10 points on 11 shots, the, ba uh, the balance the Cavaliers have long craved wasn't enough to, as the Warriors outscored them by 9 points over the final 3 minutes of regulation. In that moment, it became t clear once again, the Cavs have to be nearly perfect to sneak past the Warriors, shots have to fall at higher clips from beyond the arc, and defensive lapses need to be an exception, not the norm. Quote, the margin for error is very slim, jo James told reporters after the loss. It's almost like p playing the Patriots. Kevin Durant, uh, bona fides, uh, uh, Kevin Durant's bona fides as an alpha have been questioned ever since he signed with the Warriors and started to infringe on the Bay Area territory that used to be reserved solely for Stephen Curry. And sure, he doesn't turn games in an instant, 
in an instant the way Curry does. No one in the NBA can. There aren't three-point avalanches, and a palpable energy doesn't course through the crowd every time the ball finds his hands in transition. When Durant goes into takeover mode, the aesthetic is totally different. There isn't a tide-turning haymaker that hits you in the span of 90 seconds. Rather, he lands body shot after body shot in relentless fashion. Uh, so, you know, that's that. Um, Durant was steady all night, dropping 24 points in the, in the first half and 19 in the second half. And like any good prize fighter, he poured the Cavs down with a series of bruising punches before he knocked them out clean with the Rucker Park pull-up for the second straight year. Quote, my teammates believe that I can set the tone, that I can dictate a lot of all out there on the court. Durant told USA Today, Sam Amick, before Game 3, I just try to do my best to be great in those situations. To be honest, um, excuse me, to be uh, the best version of me in those situations. If I overthink too much, not make it more than what it is. Uh, just be simple with everything that I do and do my job. Whatever coach needs me to do, whatever my teammates need me to do. On Wednesday, they needed him to deliver, and he did just that. No NBA team has ever uh, blown a 3-0 series lead in the playoffs, let alone the finals. All of which is to say the Cavs are staring down the inevitable just as they were a year ago when Durant morphed into the sl sl Slim Reaper and slashed their playoff hopes with his slick uh, signal in Game 3 to hand the Warriors a 3-0 lead. But beyond the inevitable, in the short term lies something else, uncertainty in the long term. Uh, assuming James declines his player option as expected, the Cavs will be left to vie for his services on the open market. And at this point, they can't make a compelling off compelling pitch from an on-court standpoint the sentimental aspect of staying in cleveland aside the cavaliers don't have the cap space necessary to make the improvements that would give him a supporting cast uh, like you know houston or philadelphia or perhaps the lakers would be able to in free agency in fact it's because of a warranted trade deadline uh dealing spree that they're stuck george hill is on the books for 19 million dollars next season tristan thompson thompson is owed 17.5 million jordan clarkson is owed 12.5 million and jared smith will rake in 14.7 million with those deals clogging the balance sheet, it would be hard to fault James if he didn't want to run things back. His workload has been heavy enough as it is, and superhuman as he may seem, it might be a nice to sh it might be nice to shoulder a smaller workload as he prepares to turn as he prepares to turn 34 in December. Uh, the Cavs may steal Game Four on Friday, but as was the case in 2017, it's a matter of when, not if, the Warriors will send them packing. And when they do, all eyes will be on LeBron as he grapples with another decision that could shake up the NBA landscape. What's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Warriors will, will set their sights on back-to-back -back titles when Game 4 tips off Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If the Cavs keep their season alive, Game 5 will take place Monday night at Oracle Arena. So that, that's that, and that's all we have for the breaking news in sports. Now covering the Los Angeles sports team, starting with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the Dodgers played Game 2 of their series with the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road today. The Dodgers lost 11-9. So the Dodgers now fall to 30 and 31, and the Pirates improved to 31 and 30. The Dodgers' next game is tomorrow at 9:35 a.m. Pacific, 12:35 p.m. Eastern against the Pirates in the finale of uh, th this series. Uh, the Angels, on the other hand, uh, swept the Kansas City Royals today with a 4-3 win in the third game. The Angels improved to 35 and 28, and the Royals fall to 21 and 41. The Angels' next game is um, Friday, uh, June 8th, on. Um, on Fox Sports West at 5.10 p.m. Pacific. Excuse me, 5.10 p.m. Yeah, 5.10 p.m. Pacific, 8.10 p.m. Eastern against the Minnesota Twins. Now taking a look at MLB standings, starting in the NL West. The Dodgers fall to fourth in the NL West. They're a half a game behind the Giants for uh, third place, two games behind the Diamondbacks for second place, and two games behind the Rockies for first place. Uh, the first place Rockies are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. The second place Diamondbacks and third place Giants are 6-4 and four in their last 10. And the fourth place Dodgers and last place Padres are seven and three in their last ten. Now the Angels 
the Angels are three games behind the Astros for, for second place and four games behind the Mariners for um, first place. So the uh, second place Astros and fourth place Athletics are four and six in their last ten. The last place Rangers are five and five in their last ten. The third place Angels are six and four in their last ten. And the first place Mariners are seven and three in their last ten. Now covering the LA Galaxy, they played uh, you know their first game in the U.S. Open Cup today. They beat the Golden State Force three to one, so they advance. And the Galaxy's next game is um, Saturday, June 9th at seven thirty p.m. Pacific, ten thirty p.m. Eastern against Real Salt Lake. And uh, LAFC, they play in the U.S. Open Cup as well. They played Fresno and they won 2-0. LAFC's next game is Saturday, June 9th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern against the San Jose Earthquakes. And it's worth noting that uh, LA, Galaxy's and, uh, LA Galaxy and, and the LAFC are playing each other in the next round of the U.S. Open Cup. Now covering the results of the 2018 French Open to close out this episode, starting with women's singles. Um... The one seed Simona Halep from Romania beat the twelve seed from Germany Angelique Kerber six seven six three six two to advance to the semifinals, and the three seed from Spain Gabriela Muguruza beat the twenty eight seed from Russia Maria Sharapova six two six one to advance to the semifinals uh, herself. Now men's singles, uh, two matches today both were suspended. Um, the three seed Marin Cilic from Croatia and the five seed uh, from Argentina Juan Martin Del Potro were tied six six in the first set before play was suspended. And finally, the one seed Rafael Nadal from Spain and the 11 seed from Argentina Diego Schwartzman. Um, Schwartzman was up uh, six, won the first at six four, and Nadal was up five three in the second set before play was suspended because of rain. Uh, and now women's doubles. Uh, the two seeds uh, Stritsova and Halashkova from Czech Republic beat Arubarena from Spain and Srebotnik from Slovenia six three six one. And in a huge in a huge upset, Hazumi from Japan and Ninomiya from Japan beat Babos from Hungary and Mladenovic from France. The one seeds seven six six three, so they keep uh, they keep going on their Cinderella run. And uh, men's doubles finally, uh, only one match today. The the uh, the six seeds Herbert and Mahout from France respectively beat Jerry from Chile and Gonzalez from Argentina six six four seven six. So so that's all we have for this episode of Sean's Portrait. Thanks so thank you so much for listening. I appreciate the support, and I'll see you guys on episode number 93, which will be recorded and released on on, uh, Thursday, June 7, 2018. Thanks for listening.